You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Bob McLeod, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis Findley, and today we have an interview with inker Bob McLeod. Bob McLeod is also the creator, one of the co-creators of The New Mutants with Chris Claremont. And so today's discussion revolves around creating The New Mutants, coming up with their designs and characters, and and those first few issues that he was involved in. Uh, The part of the conversation that I find interesting is uh, when he's talking about the traditional roles of the inker and how that's evolved over the years. But just before we get to that, let me just give a quick plug for our Patreon site. If you head over to patreon.com slash thunderquack, you can become a supporter. You can pledge five bucks and get access to a ton of really cool stuff over on Patreon. So thanks for your support. We couldn't do it without you. And here is my interview with Bob McLeod. I had just penciled an issue of the X-Men just prior to that X-Men 152 that uh, the editor and Chris Claremont liked. And they actually offered me the job of penciling the X-Men because the penciler had just left the series. Maybe it was Paul Smith at that time had just left the series and um, they were looking for somebody. But then they said, you know, we also have this spinoff that we have uh, in mind uh, and you could be co-creator on that you know, which one would you prefer? And, and <laughs> Sounds like a hard decision. Yeah, what a great offer, right? Yeah. X-Men was hot at the time, of course, and I, I really wanted to draw the X-Men. Yeah. And I didn't know that this uh, spinoff book was going to go anywhere or um, last very long or whatever. So it, it was a very tough decision, but, you know, I figured how often am I going to get the chance to be a co-creator mm-hmm. on a new series? Uh, so... You know, I, I kind of couldn't turn that down. And they, you know, they said it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a younger team of super mutants. And um, we're going to focus on them learning to use their powers in Professor Xavier's school. And it should be a lot of fun. So um, I was very excited to, to be asked to join the team. What kind of work had to happen before you even started kind of penciling the, this first issue here? Oh, quite a bit. I mean, they didn't even have a title for the book yet. Chris had some character names and powers in mind. He was still kind of uh, working them out to de- decide exactly what he wanted them to be and which characters he wanted to use and maybe save some for later. They had no idea what they were going to look like, whether they were going to be big or small or, or, or you know, real muscular or thin or, or whatever. The the design of the characters was totally up to me. So um, we didn't know if, if Sunspot was going to grow large like the Hulk when he used his powers or, or to stay small. Um, whether he was going to have those Kirby dots, you know, or, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Whether Cannonball was going to be a big muscular guy or kind of the gawky 
guy that I that I made him starting out. So you know, a lot of character design um, and just going back and forth with Chris, uh, mainly uh, talking on the phone had to be done before I actually started drawing the book. So what was your process in coming up with the character designs? Well, first of all, I wanted to have more girls than guys on the team. I think every superhero team before that, it had like a token female or two. And um, I enjoyed drawing women. So I, I wanted to have a little more focus on females. And Chris was good with that. So we chose three females and two males. And um, I just started, you know, drawing whatever came to mind out of my head. I didn't really do uh, research on um, coal miners or Native Americans. I just, you know, what my impression of a coal miner might be and um, just a kind of, I, I guess, pretty generic Native American Scottish girl, a Brazilian boy, you know, I guess they're pretty stereotypical when you think about it. I was, I was just drawing what came to mind. So was it your idea to have such a broad cultural representation here? No, I think that they had been uh, decided on uh, as kind of the idea of the book from the start before they brought me on board. Uh, they were thinking more multicultural you know, that was one of one of the main things uh, that was going to be innovative about the book, uh, which was actually maybe a little ahead of its time when you look at, at what else was around at that time. So they had basic things like that already in their heads before they brought an artist on board. Wow. And so was it your idea then to have the uniform costumes that kind of kind of references back to the old days of the X-Men, the original X-Men? Well, that was a big discussion we had, whether they should have uh, personal costumes or a school uniform. And I did some designs with personal costumes, but I think we all pretty much quickly agreed that we liked the idea of school uniforms since they were going to be in school and they didn't really have their identities uh, as superheroes kind of uh, formed yet. They were, they were just learning about their powers. So it didn't really make sense for them to have personal costumes. Mm -hmm. The whole idea of Stan's X-Men to begin with in the original was a team of teenage superheroes. And they were just going to be called the mutants uh, in the beginning before we decided to call them the X-Men. So we end up calling them the new mutants and kind of based their costumes on uh, the original Jack Kirby designs. And you gave each of them a little bit of personality too, especially with like Danny Moonstar wearing her boots and accessorizing to kind of reflect her culture. Chris wanted her to have a real strong personality and uh, thought it would be um, a good idea to have her try to show her heritage somehow in her costume. So I gave her that belt and the boots. Now, um, two questions here. Who is your favorite out of these characters? And then uh, also, who is your favorite to draw? Because that might be a different question. You know, it's kind of hard to pick a favorite, really. I, I like all of them for, for different reasons. Uh, it's, it's, it's really hard to say whether I have a favorite character or not. Mm -hmm. The one that I enjoyed uh, drawing them most was, was maybe Cannonball, also Danny Moonstar. Yeah, Cannonball has a great style, great visual, just, uh, I guess, with the force that he has behind him. Yeah, it's changed a little bit. I mean, the art has changed enormously from the the various teams they've had on the book. And Cannonball's powers have, have slightly altered and um, changed. I used to have like an aura around him as as he was using his power. And I think a lot of artists did away with that. 
Oh yeah, and I guess some people put a little cloud as he's uh, exploding off into wherever he's going. Yeah. So tell me about drawing this graphic novel. Was this a, a challenge for you to to draw something so long? It's much longer than a regular issue. Yeah, it was a big problem. The, the situation was, it was originally going to be a comic book, and uh, we were not even scheduled. I would have had months to do my, my very best work on it. And um, it was my first regular penciling assignment. Um, before that, I had just penciled some fill-ins. And um, I wasn't really ready to just kind of knock out pages quickly. I needed time to think about my layouts and my storytelling and everything. So I had only penciled maybe, I forget, a handful of pages for the first issue when um, they approached uh, Louise and Chris, I, I guess. Uh, they were starting up the graphic novel line, and they were looking for projects to turn into graphic novels. And this seemed like an ideal fit um, since we were just starting on it. And, um, you know, we could easily expand the story and, and turn it into a graphic novel. So Chris basically uh, just expanded the plot a little bit. And um, I started working on it as a graphic novel. But the graphic novels were on a different schedule. You know, they had to be produced at a certain rate. And suddenly from having all the time in the world, I was a month behind schedule. Oh, no. Oh, no. With actually more pages to draw. Right. Wow. They immediately said, well, we're going to have to give this to somebody else to ink it because you're not going to have time to ink it. And I said, oh, no, <laughs> it's a graphic novel. you got to let me ink it. Yeah. So, I mean, the inking was very important to me because I had a history of doing so much inking. I, you know, I think the inking's uh, kind of vital to the look of a book. Yeah, I managed to talk them into letting me ink it, but I had to ink it through my honeymoon. No way. <laughs> yeah, I had to happen to get married at the same time. Oh, brutal. Wow. That, you left that. <laughs> I hope you had an understanding wife there. <laughs> yeah, and we actually took a second honeymoon with the royalties of the book a year later. Okay, well, that's good. Wow. Well, are you, uh, are you satisfied with the way that it turned out? I think it looks spectacular, especially with your own inking and, and the colors that they used. Well, no, actually. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's what I'm best known for, but yeah. it's probably my most rushed out job of my career. Yeah. I was just penciling and then inking as fast as I could possibly work um, with very little time to think. So I'm, I'm not really at all happy with the way it looks. I think it could have looked so much better. I mean, even then moving into the issues of the, the first few that I penciled, um, I was just too rushed. I was just rush, 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 knocking out pages, uh, which is why I eventually left the series. I just couldn't handle being so rushed all the time and doing work that I didn't consider my best work right as I was getting to a point where I thought I could do some really good work. Now, is this just down to um, inexperience at the time? Like, have you found your, your groove and your routine to get monthly titles out? Yeah, sure. I mean, after that, um, I penciled Superman uh, about a decade later where I was doing a couple pages a day. Um, and sometimes uh, really tight pencils. I did three issues in a row that I penciled and inked. So yeah, I got a lot faster, but like I said, that was my very first penciling assignment. Mm -hmm. And I just, I needed time to think, you know, to really do it well. And actually there was a review in the uh, comics journal at the time uh, saying that I was my own worst inker. Oh no. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's because I was rushing so fast to try to uh, get it done on time. Yeah. When you moved into the monthly series, you weren't inking your own stuff. It was inked by Mike Gustavich. Yeah, because I wasn't fast enough to pencil and ink a page a day, week after week. As an inker yourself, how do you feel about somebody else inking your own work? Well, I feel sorry for Mike Gustavich because he was kind of a uh, beginning uh, artist as well. He was um, still, you know, learning how to ink, and I was still learning how to pencil. And I'm sure it was it was rough for him to try to um, do a good job on my pencils. And even later on, I worked with some of the top pencilers in the business. Tom Palmer, my favorite inker on Star Wars. Uh, Joe Rubenstein inked that issue of the X-Men that I penciled. Mm-hmm. Brett Breeding inked me on uh, Superman. There were a lot of good inkers, but I was never really happy with them over my pencils, uh, just because however good they were, they they did it very differently than I would have done it. Yeah. You know, I have I feel like I have a strong inking style, so it, it just it just bothered me that it looked so different than the way I would like to have seen it look. Now, is that sort of the nature of the collaboration? Because inkers do put their own personal style into their work as well? Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, um, I'm sure plenty of pencilers that I've inked would have preferred to ink it themselves or maybe have somebody else ink it. Um, because, as you know, as an artist, it's you're putting yourself into your work. So um, when you have to collaborate with another artist, it's always going to be a little bit uh, watered down in a way, or at least, you know, pretty altered from your original vision as the penciler. So when you see a penciler inker team that seemed to click, it might click more for, for us as the uh, readers than for the artists themselves. Um, so Sal Busema took over pencils for you after you uh, stopped doing the pencils, but you inked his work. And I think yeah, you can see the example of what you're talking about here because you have a very strong presence in your inking, even over Sal's, over Sal's pencils. Yeah, well, I switched over to inking uh, because, like I said, I was so frustrated having to rush the pencils so much. I had more experience at that point as an inker, and I felt I could control the look of the book more doing the inking than I could doing the penciling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, get me a penciler to do breakdowns for me. And, um, I, I think I'd be happier with the look of the book. So they got Sal to do breakdowns. Uh, and if you know what those are, they're just kind of like layouts with no rendering or, or blacks in them. Since it was my series and, um, my characters that I co-created, I felt entitled to, to change Sal's drawings to more resemble my own um, rather than worrying about trying to keep to his style in any way. Yeah, yeah, that definitely comes out. And it's it, it made the transition, I think, from you doing pencils to inks uh, uh, quite smooth, actually. Um, I liked the collaboration between the two of you, um, but that only lasted a few issues as well. Yeah, because like I said, I, I would just... I just wasn't happy with the way the book looked and I didn't want to just be after inking him for a few issues. I just didn't want to be inking Salby Sima for years. Um, You know, it's my style and and his are, are quite different. And um, I wanted to do more penciling and control 
the look of my art uh, and have it be more my art instead of the way that was looking. And then the timing as well, they kind of uh, were doing weird stuff like they brought in Team America. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and um, I said, you know, this this is just not what I want to be doing. So I reluctantly left the book, did a few more covers after that, but I, I left the series and I think right after that, I moved into uh, penciling on Star Wars. Mm. And what was that like? Was that a different experience? Well, yeah. Tom Palmer was the uh, established inker on that series. And he, kind of similar to me on The New Mutants, he wanted someone to do breakdowns for him to ink. And he was my favorite inker, the, the main one I had studied to learn how to ink. So I was thrilled to uh, see what he would do with my breakdowns and um, give me a chance to study what my favorite inker would do over my drawings. As much as I tried to kind of model my inking on his style, his inking still pretty different than mine. And it was just a very interesting uh, experiment for me. Was that uh, Joe Duffy that was writing at the time? Yes. What was the collaboration with Joe like? Well, her hands were kind of tied behind her back at that period with Lucasfilm um, not wanting Marvel to do certain storylines and use certain characters. And um, I'm sure it was a very difficult uh, series for her, for her to write. Yeah, I would imagine so. There's so much secrecy and control <laughs> from them. Yeah. And actually, my favorite uh, issue of that series was written by Randy Stradley, okay. um, number 86, um, which was, I believe, his first writing assignment at Marvel. Oh, really? Okay. Did you, when you were when you were working with writers, is there a lot of uh, back and forth collaboration between the two of you? As you, you know, you draw something and he comes back with notes or anything? Almost none. Almost none. Basically, by that point, I felt like I knew how to give the writers and editors what they were looking for. Nice. And um, I didn't want to have to be redrawing stuff, so I tried to do things that I, I knew were going to get approved by, by both. And I don't remember ever needing to make changes for any kind of reason. Uh, there, there was a thing on that issue I just mentioned, number 86, where um, in, in the script it was, uh, uh, let me see if I get this right, it was, it was Han Solo, I, I penciled. And then by the time it went to the inker, Han Solo was away on an adventure somewhere else, so he couldn't be in that storyline. So they had Tom Palmer change my Han Solo to, to Luke Skywalker. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. What was the collaboration with Chris Claremont like for New Mutants? Chris was pretty easy to work with. He um, would give you much more material in his plot than you could squeeze into the number of pages and in, in the issue. So I was always kind of editing down his plots. And, you know, I talked to him about it and he said he was fine with that. He'd rather give me too much than too little. I was just kind of, again, trying to um, learn how to interpret a plot and, and see what fits in a certain number of pages, how many panels work best on a, you know, certain number on a, on a page, whatever. So a lot of thinking involved when you're a penciler that people may not realize about visual storytelling that I hadn't had that much 
chance to really study and think about. So there was a, a, was a long, you know, big learning curve for me on the New Mutants. When you look back at your work now, I know that you don't really like a lot of it, but is there any of it that you do like? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, there's a lot of uh, stuff in the new, in the graphic novel that I'm very happy with, and the the early issues and everything. Um, when I when I say I'm not happy with it, it's it's certain things I could have chosen a better camera angle, or I could have spent a little more time working out my figure proportions, or right, yeah. You know, just little stuff that the reader probably doesn't even notice. But if you stare at it long enough, you know, maybe you would. Yeah. The artist always notices all of their own mistakes or things that they are yeah, not happy right. with, for sure. Yeah. yeah. What was the fan reaction like when New Mutants hit the stands? Well, you know, it's a different time. Um, from what I know now, it, it was received very well and uh, very enthusiastically. And I've had so many fans come up to me and tell me um, how much it meant to them. And it was it was a big moment in their growth as an individual that they could identify with this uh, team of young people. Um, I mean, it's kind of humbling uh, the impact that I've, I've since learned that it had on people. But at the time, there wasn't this big connection between the fan base and the creators uh, that we have today. I had no clue really how well it was going over um, or how popular it was, how well it was selling even. I was too caught up in um, just trying to do a good job and, and thinking about the artwork. Uh, so I, I was pretty clueless. Yeah, didn't pay attention to that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, you know, it was before the internet. There were conventions, but there were many fewer conventions. I might've gone to one or two a year in New York City, and uh, that was that was about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, no one was sending me email, fan mail, you know. Right. So I, I didn't know, you know, what was going on with the fans. What do you think now that they're making a feature film of the New Mutants? How does how do you react to that? Well, of course, I'm um, really pleased. Uh, whoever would have believed <laughs> yeah. back in 1983 too, that uh, they'd end up making a movie uh, of these guys, or I would have tried to get a better deal and, and you know, ask, ask for a lot of money, <laughs> yeah. you know, if I ever thought it was even remotely possible, but at the time, that was just ridiculous. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled that they're even making a movie, and they're using my characters, because mm-hmm. there were a lot of characters introduced in the, in the series later on, after I left, uh, that I had nothing to do with. At first, I was kind of uh, not sure what I thought of the the angle they're taking, making it a horror movie, which is quite a departure from what they've done up to now. Mm-hmm. But the more I thought about it, I said, well, you know, this is really cool. This is really uh, interesting to go in, an, in a different direction. And it's not just going to be another special effects battle with heroes fighting each other for no good reasons. And right. it, it can be really much more interesting. Hopefully it'll give that different flavor and they'll do it well. I think because they're basing it off of Demon Bear, the Demon Bear story, which you didn't work on. That's Bill Sienkiewicz's storyline. Yeah. I don't know if I even read it ever <laughs> until the movie <laughs> was proposed. And then I said, I, I should check out these issues. Yeah. So I went back and read them. Um, and very interesting. And, you know, I'm very happy for Bill that, that they chose his, his storyline. I think it's... Um, He's a great guy and a great artist. And um, I still kind of think since no one, you know, unlike Spider-Man or Superman or Wonder Woman, 
no one really knows other than the the small group of fans actually knows who the new mutants are even. Mm -hmm. So I think it might've been better to do more of an origin story to start with. And, and maybe, you know, for all I know in the movie, they're going to make it somewhat of an origin story uh, in addition to being a horror movie. So we just have to wait and see when the movie comes out. Yeah. And if they do that, I feel like we can't help but notice your involvement in the creation there. So let's hope that happens. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. There's some great scenes, like the mine scene when Cannonball kind of busts out of the out of the ground, and like if they capture some of those moments on film, I think it'd be great. Yeah, I was really hoping if they ever did make a movie, you know, back before I ever thought they would. If they did, I was like, well, you know, the graphic novel would be a decent movie. It sure would. Uh, I I like the the early scenes of Cannonball in the coal mines and. Um, uh, Danny up in the mountains uh, with her mountain lion and uh, just the way uh, we introduced each one of the characters, uh, Roberto playing on the soccer field, I thought was cool. I, I think that could have been a, a good start, but like I said, I'm just happy that they're making the movie. Yeah, definitely. Well, and this isn't uh, the only movie that's come out that you've been in involved in the, the, the original comics as well. You were inking for Billy Graham on Jungle Action, that was my very first inking assignment uh, as a regular series uh, working with Billy Graham. What was B Billy Graham like? Did you ever get to meet him? You know, it's kind of a funny, funny story. Uh, back five years before that, uh, I was 19 years old, trying to uh, think about starting my career as an artist. And I sent a little story idea, uh, pencils, uh, inked with a ballpoint pen to Billy Graham at Warren. He was the art director at Warren, uh, at the time, you know, the Warren magazines, yeah, uh, like Vampirella uh, and, very stuff. and creepy and Vampirella and all this. And he sent me back this rejection letter, very <laughs> polite, very, very nice. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, very quickly done. He didn't spend a lot of time on it, but he, uh, you know, pointed out things that I needed to do and, I was kind of uh, irritated that I got rejected because that was my first rejection. And um, up until that point, everybody in my whole life had been telling me what a great artist I was. You know, <laughs> for this time I tried to actually sell something, I'd get rejected. So yeah. it was it was a blow. And then next thing you know, uh, once I finally do start my career, my first job is uh, inking over Billy Graham. <laughs> That's so funny. And I didn't meet him, uh, unfortunately. I, I never got to meet him in person. Uh, but from everything I've heard, he was a very nice guy. Mm -hmm. And do you look back on that early work in Jungle Action and, uh, and you know, cringe a little bit at this, the same way that you look at your New Mutant stuff? Yeah, but at the same time, um, I, I, was, I was lucky enough at that time to be able to learn on the job. Whereas today you have to kind of be at the top of your game just to get in the business. Yeah. At that time they were hungry for people to do the books because they were expanding the number of books and just needed artists. And I was lucky enough to be able to learn my craft while I was actually working on these books. So jungle action. Uh, I remember Klaus Jansen uh, telling me that he thought that was my, the first job that I did that was actually good <laughs> oh, <nice>. <laughs> <laughs> and I agreed with it. I mean I was very excited about it because I thought it was now I'm finally figuring out how to ink you know I, I'm finally getting this 
uh, what would you say to aspiring inkers who are trying to get into the business now? Well, you know, it's a totally different business in a lot of ways. Um, the pencils are so much tighter than they used to be. When I started out my career and, and the bulk of my career, pencils were much looser and the inker was expected to bring a lot of things to the table as far as style and uh, some anatomical knowledge and um, lighting uh, knowledge and, and just all this all this stuff that's become more the domain of the penciler used to be kind of half and half. The penciler was, was mostly just charged with telling the story and setting up the, the, the compositions and everything. And then it was up to the inker to actually make that hand look like a hand and uh, put the, the lines where they should be and, and clean up the pencils and everything. And nowadays, pencils are just so tight. There's so often not all that much for the inker to do. It's, it's a much more frustrating uh, job, I would think, to be an inker than it used to be. So I don't know, I would just tell them, first of all, master their tools, you know, get be able to make the brush and the pen do what you want them to do. You want to be able to be in control of your of your equipment and then um, just try to, to have fun mm -hmm. where you can. When do you think that shift happened when it was going from uh, more of the penciler's job to fill in those details? Well, actually, it was inkers like Tom Palmer, Joe Rubenstein, Klaus Jansen, and, and myself who uh, were putting a lot of our own style over these rough, loose uh, pencilers and breakdowns that once they were printed, the young kids reading the comics who aspired to be artists themselves, they just assumed that all that stuff was put there by the penciler and the inker was just tracing. And, and so as they grew up and entered the business, they were throwing all of the stuff that we did in the inks into their pencils. And the editors were looking at that stuff and saying, hey, this is this is kind of great. This is kind of bulletproof. I can give this to any old inker and it'll be the same. You know, so it was kind of a, a gradual shift as a new generation of artists entered the business. What are you working on these days? What would you like to share with our listeners? I'm not really looking for work in comics anymore. I still do a, occasional variant covers for Marvel, but mainly I'm just doing commissions for my fans and uh, going to conventions and I sketch at conventions. I'm more interested in uh, just trying to do, you know, artwork that um, is a little different from what I've done for the last 40 years. I'd like to do some painting and, uh, you know, still have a hand in doing some comic-related art, but not solely comic-related art. Right. So as a freelance artist, I almost never turn down work, but I don't, like I say, I'm not really out looking for new jobs. And I, I'm, my interest right now isn't in penciling comic books anymore or inking comic books anymore. Um, one final question, and then I'll uh, sign off here. You've been a colorist as well, right? Yeah. Um, was that just sort of out of necessity, or did you purposely say, hey, I'd like to try doing that a couple of times? No, it wasn't necessity at all. It was it was more like, please let me color. Okay. <laughs> because I was never happy with the coloring I got on my jobs. So when I got the chance, when I wasn't too busy penciling or inking, 
which I was almost all the time. But a uh, couple couple times I, I got an opportunity. I said, you know, I'd really like to color this. So I colored the cover of that X-Men job that I did, X-Men 152. Mm-hmm. That was maybe my first coloring uh, experience. And then I ended up coloring a couple jobs in the Full Color Hulk magazine. What else did I color? I, 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 it's been a long time now. I, I forget, but not that, not that many jobs, maybe just a three or four coloring jobs out of 40 years. Nice. Well, thank you very much for talking with us. It's been really um, educational and uh, and very interesting talking through this period of your career. And even though um, you know it's not uh, your favorite work of yourself, I appreciate you chatting about it anyway. Well, sure. I have a special fondness for the New Mutants, of course. And um, you know, I'm I'm just kind of a perfectionist, so I'm never happy with anything I do, really. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm critical of the new mutants, like I say, like you said, and and I said there's there's plenty that I do like about it and that I am proud of, and um, you know I don't want to just give the impression that I think it's garbage. <laughs> oh no, you know? yeah, oh no, yeah, yeah it's, I like it. it's definitely yeah. fantastic. I think. Thanks very much. Thank you.